Hey everyone, welcome back to Group Chat. Just a reminder again, if you want to access all of our podcast episodes and all of our group's resources that we have for you, just go to www.rushcreek.org, go to the group's page, go down to the bottom and click on the resource button. Okay guys, welcome back. Moving on again in season three. Um, And as I uh, say a lot in these episodes, um, uh, we are recording during the coronavirus pandemic, so we're having to do these via Zoom. Uh, so we apologize for maybe any um, less than stellar audio that we might have. Or um, uh, we've got Clayton on today. Clayton has a dog, so you might hear him at some point. Um, but either way, we're going to get through this, and we appreciate your patience. Um, so we're back again to talk about. The hopeless heart, that is our topic today, Um, something that might be pretty relevant um, for the season that we're in right now as we're recording um, during the coronavirus. Um, A lot of hopelessness or anxiety or worry um, is on the hearts of many people and how do you navigate that? So I think as best we can, we might try and um, gear this kind of in two different ways, one a little more... um, COVID-19 specific maybe, um, and maybe one more general group advice if we could, um, because we don't know what the world's going to be like by the time you guys are listening to this. Uh, So Clayton, thanks for coming back on with us um, and we'll jump into it. Um, So hopelessness um, is kind of a a bigger topic in today's culture, um, like I said, in a we're in the coronavirus right now and that's something um, that people are dealing Mm -hmm. with. Um, But even outside of it, um, group leaders, they get discouraged. They, they get worried, they get anxious, they lose hope um, for a number of different reasons. Um, So if you want to kind of start out talking about what it is and kind of what causes hopelessness in heart uh, and kind of we'll, we'll launch from there. Yeah, man. Um, like you said, living in this this current moment when we're recording this, um, COVID nineteen is is definitely prominent, and so this is definitely going to be encouragement for even after COVID nineteen. Because um, I was reading First Thessalonians uh, with my group last night, and um, we came to the passage of uh, in chapter four where it says, "Do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope." Um, and so, part of hopelessness is is a grieving process. Um, Because we're supposed to be people of hope as followers of Jesus. Um, I believe in the power of the cross and the resurrection. And I believe that Jesus can redeem and restore all things. I have hope in that. I believe it to my core. When I look at the world right now, um, currently it's full of anxiety. There's there's bitterness. There's grief. Um, Elizabeth Ross, who um, kind of uh, developed the five levels of grief, wrote a great article in this moment that we're living in right now that that we're all feeling it right now. We all feel a level of grief. We're, we're either angry or um, we're trying to bargain the situation. We're depressed. Um, we're in denial, or we might've come to the point of acceptance. And um, this is a process we go through in hopelessness because when we're overwhelmed, um, it's often because the things that have provided us meaning and structure and safety um, and possibility in our lives have been shattered um, and so where we place our value in has 
um, has gone out the window. And so that leaves us um, hopeless. And so you're going to love this. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves. who said, don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Um, and so whenever we place our, our hope into something that is, is tangible, that can be taken away for us, for, for so many, their identity might have been in their job, but because of COVID-19 and even going to the future, you might still not have that. That might be taken away from you. And so now you're overwhelmed. You're starting to experience hopelessness um, because that thing has been taken from you. Um, there's, there's anxiety and depression that... Um, can seep in that cause hopelessness. There's isolation. There, there's abandonment. Um, so much can cause this in a group setting because as you um, sit in a in a room with people, or um, life is happening, and we live in. Um, I was reading this the other day. This is my favorite way to describe the events of the fallen world we live in. Um, the vandalism of Shalom is a is a phrase used by Cornelius Plantinga um, when he talks about what happened when we broke the world, that we no longer live in this world of, of peace where flourishing is happening, wellness is happening, and wholeness is all being sustained in the fullness of who God is. The life that we were created to live is, is full of shalom, but we're experiencing the brokenness of that. It's been taken away from us. Um, and um, what I've done for so many years is try not to grieve is try not to be hopeless. I tried to buckle down. Um, and I became kind of a, and it really show emotions for a large part of my life because I thought it was weakness. Um, but as I started to read the Psalm and I start to learn that it's as, as believers of, of, of Jesus, we can grieve, but we grieve with hope. Um, I came to Psalm 56, 8, where David says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You collect my tears in your bottle. You record each one in your book. Um, and so uh, there's these things that um, are from uh, ancient times called lacrimatories. Have you ever heard of a lacrimatory, Carver? I have not. No. <laughs> So a lacrimatory is, um, it was a little vial that people would wear around their neck on ropes and they would literally use it to collect the tears that they cried. They, um, there's even uh, evidence that um, Roman wives would, when uh, their husbands would go to war, would wear these and collect the tears that they cried for their husband. And whenever they, the husbands would come back from war, they would present it to them as a gift to show how much they valued and, and loved that person. And so David here is kind of um, saying like, God, you wear these things around your neck to collect every one of my tears. You know, each tear I cry, the hopelessness I feel, um, and you record them. And so God is, is deeply invested in us and um, our grieving process. I also think of Elijah when he fled Jezebel to, and um, Kings just records, he, he slept, he ate, he slept, he ate, he slept, he ate. There's hopelessness. Hopelessness is going to hit us, but how we respond as believers um, and how we respond in a group setting really sets the trajectory of learning to grieve with hope as a follower of Jesus. And so it can come from anything. It can come from anticipating the future. We can have anticipatory, uh, anticipatory hopelessness that um, we don't know what the future holds. And so we're like, I really don't know what to do right now. We're uncertain, which is just becomes a vicious cycle that some of us can gather in right now. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I certainly think that's a sort of hopelessness that we all find ourselves in because um, I doubt anybody on the planet saw uh, April of 2020 looking like this. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, so to, to, to build on that and to, to bring it back into our groups, um, kind of what what um, advice or encouragement would you mm. um, offer to a group leader about how they should respond um, first of all, to their own hopelessness um, and taking care of their own soul, uh, but mm-hmm. something that they can also carry over and share with their group members as their leader. Yeah, um, and so for for us as as individuals and as group, this is this is going to be the same. Um, I love the invitation that Jesus has, and as group leaders, we um, if Jesus is our our model, he's our teacher, he's our he's our King, our Lord, our Savior, and we're trying to model our life around this. This invitation of where he in Matthew 11, where he says, come to me all here, weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. This is an invitation we get to offer as, as leaders. But the time that we're recording this, we just celebrated um, Easter and the, and the resurrection um, uh, of Jesus. And so when I think of this, this season that um, we're recording, we, we, we celebrate Good Friday where um, you acknowledge the grief and the pain of the world. Um, you got Easter Sunday where there's this resurrection, there's life. We got new birth coming out. Um, but then we go into um, this day after even Jesus resurrected that life has now changed for, for disciples and, and believers. Um, and so one, when I experienced hopelessness, um, I want us to look to Luke 24 and the road to Emmaus. There's so much that happens in this um, interaction that Jesus has after he has risen from the grave. He's walking with these disciples who are now devastated because of the, the death of their, of their leader. Um, and so even though they weren't tortured or killed, they bear some sense of trauma in their own, um, own bodies and soul because the once the world that um, – that once held meaning and purpose for them has been shattered. Their futures that once held promise and future now feel empty and dark because they've been waiting for this Messiah. They think it's Jesus. He dies and they just wonder. They don't know what's happening. And so what's really cool when you start to look at what's happening on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus is walking with these two disciples who are disillusioned, as they're walking with them, they're still disillusioned in hope. They are walking to a place in their past that they remember as a place of victory. Um, Emmaus was a town where Judas Maccabeus, who they also at one point in time thought could be a a Messiah-type figure, won a a major war. And so it was a place of victory for them. It was a safe place to return to a place that they knew offered some type of meaning, but it wasn't the meaning that they needed. It wasn't a hope that they needed because they found out that Judas Maccabeus wasn't the Messiah that, that was what was promised. So they're going backwards, even walking disillusioned with Jesus to a place where they knew they had victory before. And so th- that might seem like a place of an encouragement to go back to, to a life that you knew before. Um, I also think of, um, again, C.S. Lewis, your boy, um, it's something I'm reading right now, again, is, is the voyage of the Dawn Treader um, with Eustace. When he becomes a dragon, he's trying in his own power to become something else and ripping off all the scales. And he's just feeling so much pain. Um, and even as a dragon, he realized, if you've never read the, the Chronicle of the Narnia series, go read it. You have plenty of time. Um, I would even drop the books off for you if you need a copy of them. 
um, he he starts to become a better dragon, starts to to live a life that he was meant he was didn't live as as a boy, but it wasn't working for him, and so he he's trying to to do something different to to find meaning in how he's living. But then Jesus comes along and he walks with them. He's present with them. He's listening to their anxiety and their pains. He's letting them grieve and mourn. Um, and he, he then pours out to them, um, these, these guys who are pouring out their doubts and their crisis, their hopelessness. And he uses scriptures for them to better understand the meaning of suffering and glory. And so as, as individuals, what we can do is we, we walk in Jesus in a safe relationship that we can pour out our, our grief, our doubts, our questions, our anxieties to him. And he walks with us. He's present with us because he's invited us to come to him. Um, and he leads us into a place from hopelessness to celebration. And so as a leader, what you can do when your group is experiencing hopelessness is be that similar presence of Jesus like these guys on the road to Emmaus is be present, listen, invite people to share their heartache. Don't just settle for, I'm doing good, and invite people into sharing their pain. A question that um, I think is, is beneficial to ask um, anytime um, is what identity in your life is currently providing you the most powerful side of self-worth? Where are you finding your true value in life right now? Because that's going to stir people to share the hopelessness that might they might have in their heart, their anxiety, because it might be in things that are tangible and it's an opportunity for you to, um, to share hope and life into them. As a leader as well, um, and even as individuals, if, if you're not a leader and you're walking with people who are experiencing hopelessness, um, we have to remind people, and we ourselves have to be reminded that when we hope in God, We're not hoping in the fact that God is going to fix every problem in the way I want him to fix it because sometimes he won't. And many of the times he will not do it that way. Our hope is in the fact that we know that God is with us. Um, And so as a recording this, I'm reading second Corinthians just over and over again. Um, And I'm reminded in second Corinthians one, Paul's word um, where he says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Um, There's hopelessness language in there, but he goes on, he says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we we might not rely on our own selves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will do it, deliver us again. On him, we have our hopes set that he will continue to deliver us. And so we're not hoping in um, the fixing of problems, but we're hoping in the presence of God to deliver us. And so as, as a leader, when we walk with our group with people who are experiencing hopelessness, we be present. Um, don't offer um, Christian cliches. Um, please don't offer Christian cliches. Like, um, if God brought you to it, He's going to bring you through it. Um, God's never going to give you more than you can you can handle. Because right there in Second Corinthians one, um, verses eight through ten, we see that sometimes God gives us more than we can handle, so that His power is shown through us. Um, and so, we don't want to be a Job friend. Um, 
as, as a group, don't be Job's friends. Um, as a leader, don't be a Job friend. Don't just throw Christian cliches at them, but be present and listen. Um, let them share the, the root issues of what's causing this and drill down, ask some, ask some questions of um, where they're finding their meaning and purpose of life in, and then point their hope to Christ, that he's going to return and make all things new in one day, that he's, he's our hope in the presence of our troubles. And that God will somehow utilize our troubles to form us into the people of Jesus's presence in the world so that we can go and encourage people who are experiencing trouble. So I, I think that's how we should respond to hopelessness is first coming to Jesus and accepting his invitation is, is sharing um, the reality that is our, our heart and our feeling and our thoughts with him um, and not holding back and letting him speak hope and life to us. And as we receive that hope in life, and as we move from hopelessness to celebration and we grieve with hope, um, we do that the same for our, our group partners. We, we sit and we be present with them. We, um, we, we carry that burden and that weight with them. And then we point them to the hope that Jesus is present with them. And sometimes that means he's, we're that tangible presence that they can feel. We, we just sit with them in the hospital room. We just sit with them on their couch, couch as they, as they cry of maybe losing a child or a loved one. We're just a, a present to, presence to them, a tangible presence of the love of God in that time of need. Yeah, yeah, all good stuff. stuff. You're absolutely right. I am loving all of the Lewis that you're giving us. <laughs> well, I, mean, I got one more. Yeah. I got one more for the last question. Yes, I'll take whatever you can give me. So you're welcome, people, for those. Um, so we'll we'll bring it to a close here. Um, so and we'll kind of build off the the Job's friend kind of thing that you mentioned. Um, and yeah. we'll up into this last question: how not to be one of those. Um, so that that question that we just asked was kind of more us individually responding to our own hopelessness uh, or the hopelessness of others. Um, so let's kind of bring that a step further and responding to hopelessness as a group or as um, a couple of friends or what have you, um, how do you um, step into someone else's hopelessness while also being willing to open up and let somebody help you with your own? And how do you um, walk through hopelessness as a community? Yeah. And so just coming back to the, the don't be a Job's friend. If you, if you've never read Job, um, it's there's so much depth and beauty in this poetry that's that's being written. Um, Job's miserable. I mean, everything has been taken from him except his life and and um, his wife at this point. Um, and so he starts to just to grieve. Um, and his friends come and Job's. I love just died. I'm in sick. I'm in pain. This really sucks. And um, his friends first do do something that's great. They just sit with him and they're just present. Um, but when you're, when people are walking and grieving, um, those who, um, who are on the outside can sometimes get their, that person's misery can make them uncomfortable. Um, one, because they might not have walked through serious tragedy themselves. And so they don't know what to do. Um, and so that's where I think Paul's encouragement in first Corinthians, when we experience hardship, um, it's so that we can then minister to other people who are, who are not or who will someday experience hardship. And so um, they might not have experienced a significant loss like Job had. And so they start to get uncomfortable. And so when you're sitting with somebody and you're, you're present with them as a group, 
but you yourself might not have had the same experience. Um, you might get uncomfortable. And so then you become a Job friend where you might be like, dude, you really messed up. You know, God's just punishing you for this. And Job's like, you're not helping. And then um, one of his friends like, your children messed up. They did something to deserve this. Deserve this. And Job's like, you're not helping. Um, don't, one was pretty much like, don't worry, bro. God has a plan for you. He brought you to, he's going to bring you to, through it. You don't know the, what he's going to do. God um, closes the door. He opens a gigantic window and Job's like, you're really not helping man. Um, and he comes to this point of just brutal honesty in Job 13, five. And I love it. He's like, if you could be silent, that's the wisest thing you could do right now is just to be silent. Um, and so sometimes you just, even when it's uncomfortable for you, be silent, just be present. Um, going back to um, the Rota Emmaus, um, what you can do as a group is these disciples, why Jesus walked with them and he was listening to them. And then he came to a place where he could share true hope with them. They did not recognize him until they entered a house and broke bread together. And so something you can do as a, as a group when somebody is grieving it's just eat together, is break bread, have a meal, have a long meal together um, and be that present, that, that silent present who just listens. And if they don't want to talk, they don't have to talk. I don't think just sit and be a present and pray silently for them. Pray um, that God will reveal them the words to say and that he will give you wisdom in that time. But as you start to move through that grieving process and you start to, to share hope, again, you're sharing the hope that God is present with them, um, not just a pithy saying, you're sharing true life-giving hope with them. Um, help them consider how you can use, um, how this, uh, this difficult situation, how, they, how God is using this as an opportunity for, for discipleship and growth as well. Um, I think when God brings us to, to difficult seasons, to, 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 to desert seasons where we feel like he might have become silent, what I have learned personally is um, God is really preparing me for the next stage when I feel like he's going silent That because he's really not. He's, he's leading me to a place of greater love and peace and, and union with him. Um, in difficult seasons where I'm experiencing suffering, my um, my desires for sin go way down and my desire for God help goes up. And so um, Chris Winard um, said on our faith journey, there are times when the Father will withdraw his presence, but his silence is not disapproval, but confidence, my son, go and get it. Um, and so when we experience hopelessness season, God's presence is still with us. He has confidence in us because his power is in us and he's, he's working it out in us. Um, or I also think of, again, your boy C.S. Lewis in the screw tape letters is another thing I'm reading nightly. Um, in chapter eight, um, screw tape, when he's writing to Warmwood, kind of says, um, sooner or later, um, he, God withdraws from the creature. Um, and he goes on to say, um, as um, screw tape is talking to Warmwood, he said, you, you cannot tempt um, virtue as we do vice. He wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take his hand away if only the will to walk is really there. He is pleased even when they stumble. And so hopelessness, when we learn as believers to grieve with hope and as, as group members, as we're encouraging believers to grieve with hope, letting know even stumbling for pursuing God is still progress. Because 
Screw tape goes on and says, do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around upon a universe which every trace of him seems to have vanished and even asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. And so I think even when we feel no hope in um, the surrounding world and we don't see a trace of God and we still pursue and follow after his presence, um, even in the midst of our grieving and, and wrestling with him, um, that is progress towards maturing in Christ. And so um, as a group, um, help people name their deaths, name the things that they have lost. And then help them claim the hope and the birth of new things that are coming. Help them grieve what has, has really been lost and adjust to a new reality because the grieving process takes time. Adjusting takes time. Um, point their, their attention and their focus, not to the old, but to the new, to the blessings that are coming. And in all of this, may you remind them that despair is not the final word. Hopelessness is not the final word. Jesus gets the last word. Word Hope gets the last word through him. And we hope not in the fact that God is going to fix every problems because sometimes he won't. Our hope is knowing that God is with us. And so as you break bread together as a group, as you sit and as you listen with the group, as you walk them through to um, name the deaths of the things that are bringing them hopelessness, to grieve with them and to point them to the new reality that God is for them and he's with them. May the God of hope then fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the spirit. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So uh, Clayton, thank you again for um, coming on with us and talking about that today. And uh, especially thank you for all of those C.S. Lewis references. Uh, Anytime, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I thank you guys for listening. Uh, once again, apologize for maybe some uh, some audio, less than stellar audio, some glitches uh, here and there. Um, but we appreciate your patience as all of us are trying to not lose hope and operate mm-hmm. a, um, a once in a lifetime, hopefully, uh, season of life that we're in right now. Um, so thank you again, guys, and we will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to Group Chat. Just a reminder again, if you want to access uh, all of our podcast episodes and all of our group's resources, just go to www.rushcreek.org, go to the group's page, scroll down to the bottom, and click on the resource button.